Welcome to the Addiction Connection. We like to believe the opposite of addiction is actually connection, and we are going to attempt to educate you and possibly even entertain you while we navigate all topics addiction. Hi, I'm Dr. Kirk Devine. And I'm Dr. Heather Bell, and we both provide primary care and addiction services. It's our goal to help you learn more about the disease of addiction and its treatments. Welcome back. Welcome back. Number 102. So today we're going to talk about something that's kind of interesting that was actually suggested by one of our nurses, Mickey. Isn't this? Yeah. So shout out to Mickey because she's pretty fabulous. Well, yeah. And she said. She listens she to had, this. So she. She had, she <laughs> had noticed. She noticed things that she saw a lot of patients who'd had gastric bypass who ended up in treatment for, for alcohol. alcohol. Yeah. And uh, frankly, I, I'd not heard of that. And we started digging. Which, I mean, there's so many things out there in addiction world. I think that if you think about it and how it could work physiologically makes sense. And this is one of those, when you brought it up to me, I was like, well, I guess. Yeah. But then. So it's pretty interesting. And it's literally a thing. Yeah. And the interesting thing is there aren't a ton of papers and there isn't a ton of research. I found quite a few, but we're just going to kind of go over a few interesting little um, papers there were, and then one that's more of a uh, more of a literature review that kind of in 2020 they actually went through a bunch of different studies that have been done. But we'll talk about that. Yeah, it's it's just one of those topics that unless it, you happen upon it, I just don't see many people thinking, "Hmm, what could we research today?" So anyway, Mitchell et al. Yeah, the one study. Yeah, um, so this on is- addictive disorders in general after Ruin Why. Yeah, and this was actually done in 2015. So this has been about six, seven years. And it was actually in the Surgery for Obesity and Related Diseases journal, which I've never read. Uh, but it was kind of an interesting thing where they were kind of looking at this. And there, I think, been there's been papers done before this. And, and I think there's some of those in the literature review. review but they did this interesting study uh, with 201 patients. Which is actually not... A small number. No, it's a pretty, you, pretty good group. Consider. And they followed these people for a while after their gastric bypass. And it was interesting to find that about 8% of the patients developed alcohol use disorder in the three years post-Ruin Y gastric bypass. I was trying to see if I could see where this study was done. Yeah. And it's interesting that seven of those patients, which is 43%, that isn't right. Hmm. Well, anyway, seven of those patients, or excuse me, 43% of those patients. 43% of the 8% that developed. Correct. Gotcha. Yeah, so that is right. So seven of them had no history of alcohol use disorder previously. So Hmm. almost half of them. So that was pretty interesting. And actually, one of the things we'll talk about a little bit is, you know, they also had some other behavioral addictions kind of rear their heads during that time. Uh, 19 of these uh, popped up during post-surgery and uh, again most of them most of those of them didn't have a previous history yeah and so it's kind of interesting it's like well the question of course is going to be why why does this happen well and you know if we go back to my sugar addiction talk oh god we've done we're, not, that one, we're not going back there no, but we should really do the second part of that in a podcast maybe next week because i mean we didn't do the second part yet but anyway i'm out of town the <laughs> the whole um discussion that's in that part so stay tuned on 
you know, eating disorders and obesity and addictions. And so all of a sudden they have this gastric bypass, although they have to have, you know, all the mental health screenings before they, they have a big surgery like this. But, you know, yeah, what is that really, you know, nothing's perfect. So even though they have all this mental health stuff, is it, is it really perfect? I don't know. Well, clearly not. If so this many patients are still having issues. Back to bariatric surgery. <laughs> So they did a little article on surgical endoscopy, and this was in 2019. Oh. Uh, and I don't know if I can say this guy's name right, or this woman's name, Nadine Abraham. Abraham? Abraham. 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 And, and uh, I thought this was 2018. Yeah. So <laughs> it was her and a whole bunch of other people. But anyway, what? Uh, first off, they pointed out a few things in this paper that clearly bariatric surgery is the most effective way to treat morbid obesity. Although this was 2018, I would argue. (laughs) We're not going to have a whole conversation about surgical treatments of obesity. But that's one of the points of their article as of this time. This is not an obesity podcast. So (laughs) um, they also talked about the fact that there had been prior studies done prior to 2019 that had shown this, you know, threefold increase in alcohol use disorder after gastric bypass. Ruin why? The old fashioned way. And here's here's the thing, the big question, how about the gastric sleeve, which is my personal yeah, favorite, which is kind of a weird comment since I'm not surgical or an obesity specialist or any of that, but I just am fascinated. And you've never had a gastric sleeve. Unless you count like a corset and dance. <laughs> kind of like a gastric sleeve. It's yeah. like an abdominal yeah, sleeve. Don't care. <laughs> um, so anyway, so the results were kind of interesting. So when they looked at the pre- and post-op prevalence of alcohol use disorder, it was very similar in the sleeve gastrectomy and in the room eye. Well, both of them take away a big chunk of the stomach. Yeah. So that makes sense. So the other thing that they noticed. That's interesting too. The second post-op year. Yeah. First year, everybody seemed to do reasonably well. Year two, not so much. That seemed to be when the alcohol use disorder would arise. So telescoping. And interestingly in there, yeah, kind of a telescoping. It's kind post-surgical of Post-surgical like, telescoping. Yeah, post-surgical telescoping. Um, but one of the interesting thing is they, in their study, found that if you were more educated or had a higher income in your household, you were more likely to go towards alcohol use disorder. Interesting. Another tidbit. I'm just thinking of like stuff we're going to obviously get to with how that develops and how it happens and... But but why the second year is fascinating to me. Very and interesting. Was there in any of these things I'm gonna like if it's coming up, so just tell me to be quiet. Does it Stop. have any no, like what was the average weight loss prior to the people? No, we didn't. This didn't is get again, this is not an obesity. Well, I was just podcast. curious if there was like if that was also a predisposing factor, not predisposing, but a factor that led to like were the people who had lost the most weight post Higher chance, or did it not matter? I'm just curious. Nobody talked about it. Again, so, Dr. Ibrahim, if you are listening. Yeah, that's next. Please email us. Yeah. So, here's another little interesting thing. And I kind of, I had another six or seven different articles that I had found, different papers. That's what's called a rabbit hole. Yeah. I mean, I went down the rabbit hole. I was printing everything. I used like a Rima paper. But my big thought was, well, you do you the surgery. You know, you could just look at it electronically. Yeah. So, when you do this surgery... <laughs> Clearly, you bump into the vagus nerve. and <laughs> You right. bump into it. <laughs> and well, sometimes it's injured, sometimes it's cut. And uh, and so there's a guy by the name of Arelina, 
Orellana? Yeah, it looks like it. Et al. 2021. Oriana, if you're, you know, in yeah. the... Well, this was in phys- Physiology and Behavior, 2021. That's soon. That was I'm just recent came out. past, I should say, not soon. But, of course, they had this idea because there had been a study done in male rats. Because, I don't know, you just go for the male rat first. But they had found that when they did ruin Y gastric bypasses on male rats, which clearly that's a difficult surgery... Um, but they had shown <laughs> you can only do this surgery if you were under the age of 30 because you yeah. still have perfect vision. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you have to have perfect <laughs> vision. vision. And basically what they found is that if they had injury to the vagus nerve, that, that, that was, ge- that was generally contributing to increased alcohol use disorder development. And so they, they showed this in male rats that if they had an injured vagus nerve, these rats would drink more alcohol. So because the male drank the Kool-Aid or ate the apple from the tree, then they had to do it on the women too, and they are the women, the male, female rats, and they also had the same issue. Yeah. And so they actually did the same study, decided to do it on female rats and investigate that, whether or not this was clearly a male problem, which is kind of interesting because if you look at the, if you look at the data on men and women, there's a higher prevalence in men. Post, even though most of the bypass grass gastric bypass are done on women, uh, they still do them on men, and men have a higher incidence of the alcohol, of the alcohol use disorder. disorder. Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah. So they did it on the female rats, and uh, I'll be darned. Uh, they found that they also did the same thing. They increased their alcohol intake almost immediately. So abstinence for two weeks. Yeah. And after, and then what they do is, so they first put them in there and they found out right away they're drinking more alcohol. When they have a choice between alcohol and other things, they do the alcohol. Hmm. And after, so an is abstinence, the two weeks equivalent to a, a, a human two years? I have no idea. I'm, I'm just, you know. And after this forced absence for two weeks, they let them choose between the water and the, and the wine, so to speak. Uh, and uh, again, I was going to say that and then you stole it. Yep. And again, they accelerated their intake. And so basically, their results were the same in female rats as male rats. If you have vagal nerve injury, they tend to drink more alcohol. Okay, so I have a new podcast for us. You can do this one because you already read about this mess. Just not even gastric bypass in general, but people who have some type of a vagal nerve injury related to whatever. So people who somehow have a vagal nerve, whatever, even though they haven't had a gastric bypass, do they also have an increased prevalence of alcohol use disorder? I'm kind of booked up for the next couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, so, <laughs> no, but it's legit, right? Yeah. So basically, the the result was, but why that following vagotomy, that vagal damage may at least in part contribute contribute to the preference for alcohol. But aren't you wondering? Why? I mean, when we first had this conversation about gastric bypass, you know, we kind of like came up with these physiological reasons and da 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 da, which we weren't horribly wrong on, just hypothesizing. But this whole vagus nerve thing, because it doesn't have to do with stomach size and absorption and all the physiological things, why would the vagus nerve increase that? Yeah. Yeah. Thus, my next podcast. Not really next one, but it's going to come because. Yeah, I'll put it on the list. I need to see our list is three pages long, y'all. So, next, uh, we're just going to end by kind of looking through. There's actually, it was a literature review done last year, year and a half ago. And they actually went through and and reviewed all of these different 
uh, studies have been done. That's actually what a literature review is, in case you didn't know. Like a meta-analysis? <laughs> no, this was just a literature review. So they just summarize everything you could have... From each of these. That and, you tried to do. And really what they've... They started out the whole paper saying that li- this is really the deal. Most of these studies showed an increased risk um, after gastric bypass of developing al- alcohol use disorder, right? You have weird abbreviations on this page. Because that doesn't mean after. That means at. Okay. Well, GBS means... Like, after. <laughs> So, so King et al. That was back in 2012. Hmm. Alcohol use disorder increased after the second post-op year. So there we are, year two again. Year two. Um, and there was Suzuki et al., which was not long after that. And it was interesting because they looked at the prevalence of lifetime for alcohol use disorder. And they found that it was very similar to general population. But the history of alcohol use pre-op predicted relapse. So, okay, so, you so it was still- a little contradictory. Well, right. So basically, they in their study of however many people, they all had the same lifetime chance, but these patients relapsed more than the patients who did not have the yeah, surgery. a lot more relapse. So it kind of fits because some of, you know, the previous study, you the first one we talked about here is that the patients who developed alcohol use disorder had not previously had an alcohol use disorder. Suzuki study here says that people already had one and then relapsed. Yeah, so it's... So it's almost the same. Yeah, not really. Okay, it's, so it is like really, it's very similar. So Suzuki, not the people who made, you know, motorcycles. Yeah, not the motorcycle people. Ed L. He had, there was actually that. a study they had and it actually showed the the prevalence. We just read that. Oh, I'm sorry. I <laughs> I meant to say Ostland. At L. Dang it. Why don't we? We need to start. <laughs> no, we don't. You guys, this is what I deal with on a daily. Uh, gosh. So man. we're back to 2013 now. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, Ostland at L, uh, he, he showed that two times the risk of alcohol use disorder in inpatient treatment after RUI gastric bypass compared to those with a restrictive procedure like banding. Okay. So. And I'll and I'll tell you, but that makes sense physiologically because the banding makes you feel full sooner, so you don't eat as much, and thus how it works to lose weight. But your stomach actually itself doesn't change size, so you still have the same absorptive and mm, chemically whatever. I think you're going to find uh, there's something down the road here that may explain this. Hmm, so okay. so stay tuned. Okay, so, so now we're going to Sweden. So think and- about well, just a second. Think about Ostland and the fact that you have an increased risk if you have the. Bypass, but not banding. Yep. So we'll talk about this in a moment. So yeah, now the Swedish study. So Backman et al., 2016, with 8 to 22-year-olds? 8 to 22-year follow-up. Oh, I thought that meant 8 to 22-year-olds. Okay, so 8 to 22 years following their bypass also showed an increased risk of alcohol use disorder, which we've already established at yeah, this point. 2016. Yeah, yeah. So we're just kind of slowly moving up towards except, present day. Except I don't Mitchell. Know. Mitchell, is, we're going backwards. Yeah, we already talked about Mitchell. That's the one that we did with the 8% of those 201 people developed alcohol use disorder. So the next one that actually came up in their kind of their literature review was actually this prospective one in the US that was done in 10 hospitals. And they showed 20% of the gastric bypass patients developed alcohol use disorder in five years. So a fifth. Thank you for <laughs> one one slash five. In case you didn't know what that is, it's, but it's I wonder. It's too bad they didn't have like um like a non like a control arm where they just monitored people who were doing weight loss in a non surgical manner to see what happened in five years. 
Yeah, we don't have that yet. I know, I'm just saying. So, okay, let's talk about some con- contradictory studies. Yeah, there's a couple. Um, er- I think that's Ertelt. Ertelt? Mm, he did a He did a study with 70 patients. Didn't see any difference with, with bypass. So, I don't know, 70 people. Then we at L went wee, wee, wee all the way home. Never mind. That's not funny. Uh, that was, yeah. So anyway, uh, he showed improvement in high-risk drinking in patients who got uh, gastric bypass. Now, that makes no sense at all, considering the other stuff we already know. So so just understand that the majority of studies, and that was really the conclusion of this initial part of this literature review, showed that there was an increased risk, but there were some contradictory results also. Okay, so the risk factors, I'm assuming this means post-gastric bypass. Correct. So the risk factors for developing alcohol use disorder post-bypass is male, younger age, people who smoked, regular alcohol consumption, pre or post or both? Um, Regular, pre. pre. Okay, and then who had a formal alcohol use disorder, former, excuse me, who also then, you know, did recreational drug use, which makes sense because, you know, use begets use. But younger males who smoke with high-risk previous other behaviors yeah there was another study actually done by Durago Burgoa I, I think that's how you say it uh, in 2015 and he found that especially males over the age of 45 so I just barely fall into that range mm, plus a couple decades yeah and so uh, in fact he also showed that people who had a lower BMI a pre-surgical into, BMI yep, going into the surgery actually had uh, more risk Isn't hmm. that crazy so if you're kind of not the 50 and above BMI, you actually had more risk. Interesting. Which, which I, I mean, again, we all we all need more studies. So here's the most interesting part of their literature review is this whole role of pharmacokinetics because that's really interesting. So if you look at the people who get the Roux-en-Y gastric bypass, one of the things that they think may do this is that, that the reward. So what's the reward for drinking after a, after a gastric bypass. Well, they've shown in this study that by, again, Ibrahim, Ibram um, et al. in 2018, that it's you're... Ibrahim. Whatever. I'm not good with names. Um, but yeah, the higher... They would get a higher blood alcohol more quickly, right? So they'd get this elevation of their blood, blood alcohol levels very quickly. And there was some concern that this was kind of a, a positive reward that actually drove some of this, right? That would be the thinking. Which, in essence, was reproduced prior to that. Right. So it was actually proven in yep. 2015 by Papino that the rate of delivery, if you take alcohol in orally, got to the circulation faster. Yeah. And of so course, very similar. Yeah. And of course, one of, the re- one of the questions there would be, well, why? Well, there was, a, there was another study done shortly after that, and they actually showed that food and drink gets to the jejunum quicker. Which makes sense when your stomach is Do smaller. you need me to describe where the jejunum is? It's actually the second part of the small intestine. Ooh, you did go to medical school. I, I had did. My, I wasn't sure. <laughs> um, but it would actually, it gets there faster. So the, the thought is there's less available alcohol dehydrogenase, and you would know this, Dr. Bell, that that's what actually breaks down alcohol initially. So if you don't break it down, it gets into the circulation and kaboom. But why is there less available de- alcohol dehydrogenase? Because that enzyme is in the liver. So it just doesn't absorb faster, which you then think you if it absorbed faster, 
So then you have too much alcohol. So the alcohol dehydrogenase gets super saturated. So you don't have enough to break it down. That's why. Yeah. Something like that. This is why I am smarter and why I am here. (laughs) It gets absorbed faster. There's or gets to the jejunum faster because there's less space to occupy and it gets absorbed. So you get too much influx of alcohol faster into the liver and there's not enough alcohol dehydrogenase to break it down. That's what I was thinking. Because there's not really less alcohol dehydrogenase in sure. general because we're not removing parts of the liver. There's just less available because it gets super saturated. There's not fewer. There's less. Um, no. You're going to love this next part. Gut hormones. Do you mm. remember this one? <laughs> Again, back to the sugar addiction. Yeah. Ghrelin. Ghrelin. Ghrelin system. And the GLP-1. Mm-hmm. Okay. The, one of the theories is is that these are altered. And because they're altered when you're drinking the alcohol, they believe that somehow this is increases that kind of rewarding effect of alcohol. And so it's some of the changes in that system uh, after, the, after the gastric bypass. So your body is not telling you. You lose some of the hormones that tell you you're full, yet your stomach is smaller, so it's telling you you're full, yet... It affects the dopamine system because the ghrelin does impact the dopamine system. So they're saying because after gastric bypass, this just it's increases a, the dopamine. It's it's a mess. Yeah. Anyway. So, but here's the funny thing. But you again, know, you haven't explained why the whole restrictive versus gastric bypass because the restrictive, their stomachs still aren't smaller. It's just slow to get to the stomach. I'm just going to go with we need more research. Um, and here's one of the more By the way, I don't simple, like gastric banding. Yeah, one of the more simple theories, the switch theory. Ooh, yeah. Yoder. Yoder. Is Yoda's brother Yoder? No. Um, at Al in 2017, they actually did this by interviews, right? So they took these patients. Ooh, they, all eight of them. All, yeah, it wasn't a huge study. <laughs> um, and their concern was that that in the, these intensive interviews they did with patients with gastric bypass, they felt that a lot of these patients had unresolved psychiatric issues and um, previously, pre- previously managed these by their eating behavior. Uh, and, then, and then, of course, they needed a new way to manage their stress, and so they, after the bypass, would start drinking. Which I think is what I said at the very beginning of this podcast. Yeah, is that they go to these mental health evals before they're getting cleared to be able to do the surgery, and they're just missing something. Because well, eating disorders, and of all kinds, especially binge, um, bulimia and binge eating disorder, are highly associated with alcohol use disorder and other use disorders. Well, let me so say this. this. makes sense. There's very few people who believe this, though. I don't care. Yeah. So few I'm, believers, that's because they don't want to believe it. Well... I'm just saying. It's because a you know what extre- happens? Extremely small study. If a lot of people believe this, then all those surgeons who are making a boatload of money on gastric bypasses. Anyway, and there's not enough mental health professionals in the world, so we can't possibly send all these patients to mental health long term. Mm-hmm. So we just... But here's the thing. We're Again, increasing our patient load. Yoda, <laughs> I mean I mean Yoder, um, it was a small study. And mm-hmm. really, when you look at the whole conclusion of this literature review, it's like, man, we need way more studies because there's just not enough to really work this out, why this is happening. It's clearly happening. More, m- The high percentage of these studies is showing increased alcohol use disorder. And, uh, 
you know, and, and this is all post-op and it's a couple of years out. And a lot of the studies have kind of concluded that. So here's another hypothesis I would have is that, you know, just prior to having a sleeve or a bypass, they typically go, they have to lose so much weight on their own or have like this liquidy type diet or smoothie type diet ahead of time. And then they have the surgery and then they have to continue that diet because they have to adjust to having like the smaller stomach. And, you know, we all have seen that in primary care, like just learning to adapt. And now a couple years out when they can eat more, but they still really like the liquid diet. Yeah, I'm not doing that either. <laughs> hey, I'm going to go with it's multifactorial. Well, is it factorial or factorial? But the factorial, reality, I don't know. Whatever. Don't. There's multiple things that play into this. Well, two things. Number one, this is not an obesity uh, podcast. Number two, yeah, it needs more study. And so we just thought we'd throw this out there because Mickey came up with it, and it's uh, super interesting, and we need to just be aware of it. I think that's the big point. Yeah. You need to be aware of it, especially when you're taking care of people. You know, surgeons will take care of them for some time, but primary care providers, which we are initially, originally, and or still, um, you care for these patients long term, you know, and it's not just the vitamin deficiencies and anemia and all those things we could get into, but you have to be aware of this, which comes back to recognition of use disorders in primary care clinics. Well, it'd be screening in this case, too, for this particular patient group. It'd be screening doing much more screening uh, at post-op. So I think this is great. And that's what Mickey noticed was that patients that she was seeing, so many of them in treatment, had had gastric bypass. So thank you, Mickey. This was fabulous. It was interesting. So Nice research, Kurt. Yeah, you know, there's more. That was a compliment. I, yeah, thank you. And we'll we'll probably have to do like number two on this if I ever get through the rest of those papers. After we do the next part of sugar addiction. Yeah, whatever. Okay, well, thanks everyone for listening. Is 15 cents. There's no need to go to sleep. We don't plan to work.